Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. It is so good to see you guys. Thank you. And it's even more special to see you on 4th of July weekend. Because, yes, woo! I know, I was a little worried getting up here. It might be just me and the band. So it's awesome that you guys are in town and you came. Thank you so much for being a part of this today. Uh, before we dive into the fourth part and final part of the series, Demystify the Kingdom, I just want to reiterate what has already been beautifully said by Megan. Take those tickets and invite somebody for next weekend and throughout the rest of July to at the movies. We see God use those, those weekends to change lives all the time. So please use those. Uh, we're going to dive back into this series, Demystify the Kingdom, where we've been taking this idea of demystifying, making it simpler, easier to understand the kingdom, this theme, this This thing that Jesus talked about over and over, over 80 times throughout his ministry, the first thing he ever preached about was, you know, that the kingdom, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near all the way to the end of his ministry. It was woven throughout everything that he did. He talked about the kingdom all the time, but yet it's something that kind of gets missed in our day today, and we don't really fully understand it many times. So we've been talking about it, kind of unpacking it, and today we're going to we're going to celebrate together something that, uh, uh, that, that we're called to do, an ordinance of the people of God, the citizens of heaven, the followers of Jesus that we're going to do together today. Before we dive into that, let me give you a quick definition that we've been using throughout the series. I, feel, I love it because it's simple by Dallas Willard, this definition of the kingdom of God. It is where what God wants hap- to happen, what he wants done is done where he, what he wants done is done. And whenever we surrender ourselves to God's will and we're willing to do his will, his kingdom comes through us. This is a part of the Lord's prayer that he prayed that God's kingdom, he says you should be praying that God's will be done, his kingdom come uh, on earth as it is in heaven, right? So it is something we're supposed to be asking for. And when we do that, This is when God's kingdom, we've been talking about more of the specifics of it over the past few weeks. If you missed those, check them out. But today we're going to talk about something we're going to celebrate together, that being communion. Maybe you grew up calling it the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. All three of these have powerful meanings to what we're going to do today. Now, it is celebrating, and we're going to talk more about it in just a minute, the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us as his people. And in a very real sense, it is allowing us to commune with God in a way we couldn't before, and even commune with other believers as we celebrate, we worship God together as his people. It is something that we could not do apart from what Jesus has done for us. The next one here, the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper with Jesus, it it, speaks to the fact that this thing we're about to do has a history. It has a past. It came from a Passover meal, and I'm going to talk about what that is, that Jesus had with the disciples, last supper he had with them, right before his betrayal and crucifixion. And then finally, the Eucharist, which simply means thanksgiving, that it ought to fill our heart with gratitude when we really understand what Jesus has done for us 
and continues to do for us every single day. But how he kicked off this new covenant, this new testament, this new kingdom of people. It is a beautiful and powerful thing to begin to understand what Jesus has done for us. And this is what we're going to talk about today. So let's start with square one. I want to assume nothing um, from you. Some of you may already know this, but I think it's still important to ask, what is communion, right? Let's start with that. Simply put, it is a remembrance and a celebration of the Lord's sacrificial death and resurrection for us. It is pausing to remember and to celebrate what Jesus has done for us that we literally would not have any kind of relationship with God apart from what he has done. This is so powerful and so important. Now, when we celebrate this, when we commemorate this, we do it with two elements, right? We have the bread and we have the cup. Let's talk about those for a second. The bread symbolizes the blood, or pardon me, the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us, and the cup is the blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled out for us on the cross so that we might be forgiven of sin. And he did this, this is one of the most amazing parts, because he loves us. He did it out of love. This was his motivation. It's beautiful. Now, it is important to kind of give some context to what caused or what initiated that first communion, that first Lord's Supper, Last Supper, Eucharist, if you will, that Jesus had with the disciples. On the night before he was betrayed and crucified, he came together with his disciples to have a Passover meal. Now, let me talk about what that is for a second. The Passover was a meal that actually lasted over a week's time, but it, was, uh, it culminated with this one meal where they came together to commemorate and celebrate Israel's deliverance from Egyptian slavery that had happened for over 300 years, going all the way back to the days of Moses, okay? And the Israelite people had been doing this for 1,400 years, this is a long-standing tradition. Jesus would have done this his entire life right up to this moment. Every year at this time had this Passover meal. And on that night of the Passover or the Exodus, as it's also called in the Old Testament, when his people had the mass exodus out of Egypt, God gave specific instructions to his people through his servant Moses. And here was the instructions. Tonight... I want you to take the blood of a lamb and put it on the doorposts of your house. And when you do that, my judgment will pass over, here's how it gets its name, pass over your house, your household, and your family. In, in other words, it was God's way of saying, listen, my judgment's passing over you <clears throat> not because you're sin-free, not because you're better than the Egyptians, that you have to have the blood of this animal is actually covering your sin and I will pass over your sin. Now this, this, as I said, went all the way back to the days of Moses. So let's go back, all the way back, rewind the tape, all right, all the way back to where this first started. It's in Exodus chapter 13, verse 3. I love that we have so much rich history in our faith, going all the way back, some 1,400 years before the time of Jesus. Here we have when this was initiated, it was the night 
of the Exodus, that God speaks through Moses to the Israelite people. So Moses said to the, to the people, this is a day to, let's say the highlighted word together, this is a day to remember. For just a little while? No. He says forever. Forever. And what's interesting is that Jesus, as we're going to see in a minute, he redefines, he keeps this exact same remembrance and celebration alive. He just redefines everything for us. It's going to be beautiful. The day you left Egypt, the place of your, let's say it together, the place of your slavery, today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. So God wanted them to remember, don't you forget that I'm the one who brought you out of this place of slavery, over 300 years of oppression, and it was my mighty hand, not yours, no military power, no ingenuity or ingenious decision-making on your part. It was, it was something, it was totally initiated by me. It was my power. It was my saving grace. It was my rescuing that caused this to come to pass. Don't ever, ever forget it. Now, 1,400 years forward, and we have Jesus sitting down with the disciples. And when he sits down with them that night, he redefines every piece of this story. He says, for those of you who are my disciples, my followers, the citizens of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus used interchangeably, he says, this now has radical new meaning. And here's the new meaning. This no longer is going to symbolize for you the deliverance of Israel from Egyptian slavery, this now is going to symbolize your deliverance from your slavery to your sin and your death. And it's going to happen through Jesus' death and his resurrection. This is what is going to come to pass. And Jesus replaces the lamb in the original story of the Exodus with himself. He says, you remember, he's, he's, he's using these metaphors and helping this. You remember all the way back, the lamb's blood that went on the doorpost and the, the, the judgment of God passed over. We see this foreshadowing throughout his ministry. Even the first time that John the Baptist sees Jesus, he says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the guy this is the one we've been waiting for. He's the Messiah. He is the Christ. He's the one, and he's going to do it. And Jesus is saying, and this is the night, and this is the moment, and this is when everything changes, and this is when history changes. This is the most pivotal, important moment in the history of humankind tonight and I'm redefining everything, and it will be my righteousness on the doorposts of your life that will cause the judgment of God to pass over you and over your sin, not because you're sinless or righteousness of your own, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been given to you as a free gift of God's grace that you can receive by faith. What a gift. And Jesus is saying, and don't forget it. This is so important. I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 26, when Jesus begins to unpack this on that night. I want us to read through what happens between him and the disciples. And here's what he says. And when they were eating, Jesus took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Obviously he meant this is a metaphorical representation of my body. I want you to take it. I want it to be a part of your life. He goes on to say, then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant or the new covenant because it's important to understand this is a new covenant because there was an old covenant. There was already an agreement between humankind and God. The Old Testament was an actually testament is another word for covenant. There's old covenant and new covenant. Old Testament and new, uh, yeah, Old Testament and New Testament. And Jesus was helping them to understand this is a new covenant, a new agreement between humankind and God, a new way of relating. In the old covenant, in the old covenant, it was the blood of animals that covered over your sin and only could for a period of time and had to be renewed over and over and over. And that's what the priests were doing in the temple. But in the new covenant, Jesus is saying, I become your lamb. I become your sacrificial um, forgiveness. I become your righteousness. And I am the one and only sacrifice you will ever need. And now this begins, sparks a brand new understanding, a new chapter, a new agreement between God and humankind through his son Jesus Christ that we can know him we can walk with him in ways that we had never had before. We can have the Holy Spirit in our life. What a gift. It's incredible. And this is what Jesus is talking about. It's my blood spilled out on the cross that allows that and makes that possible. This new covenant, which is poured out for many, for the, let's, talk, let's say it together, for the forgiveness of sins. This is, this is what we have to have happen. We couldn't rescue ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. We has to come from God himself. And God was willing to do this for us. He was willing to provide for us the forgiveness. And what's beautiful, as the New Testament goes on to unfold, it wasn't just forgiveness that Jesus gave us. He gave us full and complete reconciliation with God. And then he gives us the ministry of reconciliation that we get to share that with other people. We get to introduce them to this God who loves them, this God who offers forgiveness and love that they could never, ever deserve, they could never earn, they could never do anything to gain it other than just receiving it. It's a beautiful, powerful gift. Now, what I'd like to do is turn our attention to the Apostle Paul's writing in the New Testament when he begins to give us, he, he, he's, he's giving it to all the New Testament churches, like, let me give you some warning. Let me give you some, some uh, instructions on how to do communion properly, okay? And so I want to just take a few minutes and share with you three biblical principles from the writings of Paul that I think will help tremendously in understanding how to approach communion correctly, okay? So let's, here's the first one. It's about remembering, as we talked about just a minute ago. Remember to thank him, him being Jesus, for his sacrifice for your freedom. This is where it starts. It is remembering. It's thinking back what Jesus did for us. 
and, and it's so important to go beyond just the surface of like, yeah, that happened, wow, that's amazing. But what happened and why did he do it? Who would do such a thing for another human being? Jesus says, I did it because I love you. For God so loved the world that whosoever will, whosoever will come is welcome. What a gift. And this is what he says. This is why I did it. And when Paul begins to write, he says, whenever you take of the cup and eat of the bread, whenever you do this, as often as you do this, in chapter 11, verse 24, 1 Corinthians, he says, to do it in remembrance of me. He's quoting Jesus from Luke chapter 22, verse 19, where Luke records this, where Jesus is saying, listen, I want you guys to never forget what I'm about to do for you. Now think about this for a second. This is just moments, maybe just a few hours before his betrayal and his crucifixion, his trial and his crucifixion. The last commandment that he gives to his disciples is to remember. Remember, don't you forget. Don't squander this. Don't waste this. Don't you forget what I'm about to do for you. This is too important. It's too important. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And then in verse 26, just two verses later, Paul writes, for whenever you eat of this bread and drink this cup, you, what do you do? You proclaim the Lord's death. Like, don't you forget, Jesus died he died for you. He died for me. Yes, he was God in the flesh, but he was still a man. And, and if you ever laid your life down for someone else, there is no greater sacrifice you could make for someone, is it? To say, I will die for you right here, right now. That's, that's the end of the story for you on this planet, right? And Jesus was willing to do this. And he says, I want you to proclaim this about my death until he comes, until I return, until I come back. In other words, he's reminding us, Jesus promised, he's coming back. He will return. He will return. I'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But it's important to begin to ask the question, how do we remember? How does he want us to do this? How do we need to remember uh, Christ in communion? Well, first we remember, as I said just a minute ago, what he did and why he did it. But even more than that, we need to remember that remembering kind of has two components to it. It has a forward component. We remember forward and we remember backward, if you will. So in, in a sense, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, we're going to remember backwards and remember what he did, that he died on the cross for us, that he gave his life for us. But also... We're going to look to the future and say, you know what? He also promised that he's coming back and he will set up his physical kingdom in the new earth, the new heaven. That right now his kingdom rules, spiritually speaking, in the hearts of his people. We looked at this last week. But there is coming a physical kingdom that will last forever and ever. And he's called us to trust that, to to look to that. And don't forget, don't forget either ends of the spectrum. It's so important that we do that. And he also has, has called us that we would remember this and not ever let this become just a cold 
kind of mechanical, religious, empty ritual, which let's be honest, it happens sometimes in churches, right? And I just want to tell you as a pastor of this church, we want never for that to happen. Jesus never wanted us just to go through the motions and just do communion, not at all. That there ought to be a burning passion in our heart of love for him, remembering what he did, and be filled with gratitude over that. It's so important, it's so powerful. And because when we begin to forget, we do exactly what the Israelites did. And what did they do? The Israelites, over time, they began to forget. The biggest issues that God ever had with Israel was the fact that they forgot him. They forgot him. They forgot his his power. They forgot that he was the one who rescued them from Egypt. They forgot his faithfulness. They forgot that he loved them. He for, they forgot his faithfulness. They forgot to trust him. And they started trusting in their own power. And they started trusting in their wealth. And they started trusting in their military power. And they started trusting in other things and started trusting in other gods. And before long, God says, you have replaced me with something else. And I'm calling that idolatry. You're worshiping something else in my place. And this ultimately is what destroyed them as a nation. And let me just tell you as a warning, what happened to them very easily could happen to us as well. And this is part of what we do when we come together to worship him. And we come together to do communion. We were reminded of God's goodness. We couldn't do it without him. We are reminded to have a heart of gratitude as we follow him. And we are reminded to be patient with a God who is working out his plan. He has no obligation to work out ours. We are on his timeline, not the other way around. And we trust him. We look to him. We praise him. In other words, like Israelites, if we are not remembering people, we become wandering people. And it will still happen to us today in 2022. It absolutely will. This is why it's so important that we remember. Here's the next principle, is that we re-examine, re-examine yourself and confession. You re-examine yourself and ask and receive his forgiveness, that Jesus offers forgiveness. In other words, that we come before him and we just honestly say, God, is there anything between us? and just get quiet for a minute. And I have found, if you'll get quiet for just a minute, God will start bringing stuff to the surface. Like, you're like, wow, I forgot about that. God's like, yeah, you need to give that to me. You need to ask for forgiveness over this. You need to make that right. You need to, he'll help you to see how you're getting in your own way. I'm getting in my own way. He will show you, ask him, ask him, Lord, show you, bring it to my mind. Where have I not represented you well? Where have I done the antithesis of acted like a kingdom citizen? I'm not being a very good ambassador when I go to this place or I do this thing or I drink a little too much or I let stuff come flying out of my mouth or just hatred or visceral language or vulgar language. Whatever it is, what is it? God's gonna, he'll bring it to your mind. Are we just playing church? Are we gonna really like... God, I'm serious. Like, I really want to walk with you. I'm not just putting in the time, checking off the box. Yeah, I went to church and did my communion, right? 
Jesus is saying, that's not the kind of religion I, I want. I want people whose genuinely hearts are here and loving and compassionately following me. And I love what Paul says in verse 27, 28, and 1 Corinthians 11. He says it this way. He says, so, so then, with that in mind, so then, whatever, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, what does that mean to take it in an unworthy manner? Exactly what I just said. It is to take it without realizing what you're doing. This is not just another meal. He was getting on to the Corinthian Christians because they were not slowing down and letting it be an act of worship unto God. Thank you, Lord. And if there's anything in me that needs to be confessed, I confess it now. And what's interesting is that even a step further, if there's anything between me and another Christian, God help me to have the courage to go to them and ask their forgiveness and at least attempt to try to reconcile. Now, I just did an entire series called Reassembly Required right before this series where we talked about reconciliation and, and, and living without regret. So I encourage you to go back and look at that. If you're like, man, I don't even know where to start with a certain person in my life. We did a whole series on that. But it's asking God, show me where those people are. Show me what's in between you and I. And he goes on to say, everyone ought to, let's say it together, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink the cup. There ought to be a moment of self-examination and confession, he says. Slow down, God show me, I want to confess this, I want to make corrective changes in my life. That's what repentance is about. It's turning from sin, turning back to God. And this is what he's talking about. He's saying, I want you to turn back to me. Trust me. And we're, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a few minutes to do this in our prayer at the end. And here's the third one, the third principle that Paul talks about, is that this communion, this celebration and remembrance is a rejuvening of our hope of his return. It's like reminding ourselves Jesus is coming back. And he's not just coming back, he's setting up his kingdom. And he has called his people to come and rule and reign with him forever. This is an incredible, amazing thing. And we see it echoed throughout the, the, the pages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 11, back to verse, uh, verse 26, we looked at a minute ago. Whenever you eat of the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he, let's say it together, till he comes. Paul's like, don't forget, he's coming back. And this little communion thing that we do together, this is just rehearsal. This is just a little, a little preparation for the big feast of the Lamb that's going to happen in heaven. It's talked about in Revelation, going all the way back to the prophet Isaiah, where he says, and we will sit down at a table, and all the nations will be there, all the ethnos of the world, the, all the people groups, every race and nationality will be represented at the table of all of the people who have turned their heart trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and he's become the Lord of their life and we will all sit down together as brothers and sisters under one king and it is his kingdom and we will get to reign together with him forever and it will be the end 
of all of the pain and the suffering and the hurt of this place and he will reign forever and his victory will be felt and seen everywhere and we're told that he will be our light his glory will light up everything it will be beautiful it'll be beyond anything we could possibly imagine and Jesus reminds us at the end of that communion that he has with the disciples, verse 29 of Matthew 26. I love this. This is Jesus talking. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day. What day is he talking about? When I drink it new with you in my, let's say it together, Father's kingdom. That's what he's talking about. He said, this is just a rehearsal. Don't you forget. Let it rejuvenate your hope that there is a great day coming. And it is now I am with you also. It is now and it is going to be fulfilled. You can be my people and I can walk with you every day in this intimate, interactive, cooperative relationship where I am right by your side all day, every day. And so many Christians never fully experience what Jesus had offered. And here's the question that we've got to answer before we take communion. Who can take communion? Any person who has trusted the Lord Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. Any person who has said, Jesus is going, Jesus, I'm asking Jesus to be the forgiver of my sin and the Lord of my life. And the way we do this, the Apostle Paul made it so clear that we initiate this with our hearts and it comes out of our mouths, right? It, it is by way of our mouth, but it's, it's our heart that we're speaking from. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, I love this. And this is how a person becomes a citizen of, of the kingdom of God. This is how a person becomes a child of God, a Christian, a, a disciple of Jesus. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, let's say it together, will be saved. Absolutely. Not a maybe, it's a good chance you might be. You will be saved. The Apostle John says, I have written these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. That you, there's confidence there. Paul later writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore, there is now no, let's say it together, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. No one can condemn you. No one can take your sin and shove it in your face and say, Look, you don't deserve to be God's child. Guess what? It's not about my righteousness. It's about the righteousness of Jesus over the doorposts of my life that has caused God's judgment to pass over and I get to be his child. It is a gift. And communion is simply a way to celebrate, to remember, to re-examine and confess and rejuvenate our hope of his return and what is to come. It's beautiful. And I want to give you an opportunity right now in a prayer that you can ask Jesus Christ into your heart. If you've never done that, and if you are a Christian, I want to give you an opportunity in this application prayer to simply prepare your heart for the communion we're about to take together. And simply put, we're saying, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice, your sacrifice for me. 
we're remembering, reveal anything that has come between us or anyone else, re-examining the heart, confessing that. Show me, Lord. And then finally, please bless this rehearsal of your great kingdom banquet. Let my heart be right. Help me to remember your goodness. And God, let this be just a renewal of my commitment to follow you with all I got. Would you guys be willing to do that with me right now? And we're going to pray. And um, at the end of the prayer, I'm going to go back and I'm going to lead us through communion together. And I'm going to read back through this passage in Matthew 26. um, And then pray for us and we're going to take the elements together. So if you would, let's bow together in prayer. God, right now we come before you and we thank you so much. Lord Jesus, that you have given your life so that we might be set free. You sacrificed yourself for our deliverance from our sin and our death when nothing else could possibly have made it happen. It only could have been you. And you were willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. We praise you for that. We worship you for that right now. Would you just tell him, thank you, Jesus, right where you're sitting. Just tell him, Jesus, thank you so much for giving your life for mine, for being willing to be my righteousness over the doorposts of my life so that God's judgment passes over my sin and I am forgiven and I am cleansed from all unrighteousness. And if there is a a burning desire in your heart while we are praying right now that you want to be a child of God, you want to become a Christian, you want to become a, a disciple of Jesus, and you know the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart right now, and you have never done this, I just want to encourage you right now that you would just take that step of faith and pray right where you sit. Just speak directly to Jesus right now and just say, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive all my sin. I'm trusting that when you died on the cross and you resurrected from the dead, that was to pay the penalty for all sins, including mine. And I am trusting you right now to forgive my sin. Would you just ask Jesus to forgive your sin? And also to say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord over all my life. Would you ask him to be the Lord of your life? Truly surrendering yourself to him? If you just ask Jesus to be the forgiver of your sin and the Lord of your life, would you just as an act of faith raise your hand right now? I'd just love to pray for you. Anybody here? God bless you, sir, right here. Anybody else? Giving it, God bless you, right back over here. Thank you. Anybody else giving it all over to Jesus? Thank you. God bless you, ma'am, right here. Thank you. God bless you, buddy. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. Father, thank you so much for speaking to hearts today, transforming lives. Only you could do that. You were the only one that could have pulled off the exodus, the Passover. You're the only one who could provide salvation for the whole world. Whosoever will turn to you place faith in you. You offer salvation by grace through faith. Period. Thank you for that, Lord. And right now, you may put your hands down all across this room. If you're willing to examine your heart right now, would you just take a moment to say, Jesus, show me. 
anything in me that needs confessing. Anything that I have done that needs confessing. Surrender it to him. Ask his forgiveness and receive his forgiveness right now. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us. We confess right now these sins to you and we ask your forgiveness right now. Would you just tell him right where you sit? And if he's putting a person on your mind that you need to go to and ask their forgiveness, would you have the courage to say, okay, I'll talk to him. I'll call him. I'll reach out. Would you have the courage to do that? God, thank you for speaking to our hearts. And finally, Lord, I pray that this communion we're about to take would rejuvenate our hope of the great wedding feast, the banquet of the Lamb that will happen in heaven that we will celebrate with you forever and ever. We thank you for that. We praise you for it. And I pray, God, that you would use this time as an act of worship unto you, that we would be drawn closer to you, maybe than we ever have before, starting right here and right now. We pray it all in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Right now, what I'd love to do, let me just, as the band has come back up, we're going to worship in just a moment. But I'd like to reread this Matthew 26 passage. And before I do, though, let me just say, the communion we're about to take, as I just mentioned, is for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ. You have come to a place where you've asked Christ to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life. If you've not yet come to that place, that is fine. This is no pressure on you in this moment. We just ask that you would just observe the, the, uh, this ordinance of the Lord and its power but not participate in it for the reasons that we talked about just a minute ago. But let me reread this. What I'd like to do is read the passage. I want to pray for us, and then we will take the bread and then the cup together, okay? This is starting with verse 26 of Matthew 26. Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So I'd love to pray with you, and we'll start with the bread and then the cup. Lord Jesus, we come before you. We thank you, praise you right now that you were willing to lay your body down for us. This bread that represents your body that was broken for us. Lord, we also praise you for being willing to pour out your blood, your precious blood on that cross so that we might be forgiven of sins and be reconciled to God. You did this out of love for us. God, help us to never forget the why behind the what. You did it because you love us and you continue to love us right down to this moment. And we praise you for that. We pray that you would accept this this 
awesome celebration and remembrance of what you did. We love you, we praise you for it, and we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you would, let's take the bread together. Thank you, Jesus, for your body. And then we will take the cup. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for your body and blood once again. Thank you for your indescribable love for us. May we never stop living out of the gratitude and praise for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What's so beautiful in verse 30, we're told that after Jesus and the disciples had this communion together, they sang a hymn together and then they went out to the Mount of Olives. Well, you can't go out to the Mount of Olives, but we are, as Jesus and the disciples, we're going to take a moment to marinate and, and, and meditate on what we just did as we worship God together, as we sing this incredible song of the goodness of God, if you would, let's worship together right now. Your goodness is 
Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.